0: you make your way in your Bible with me to John the 10th chapter, please? John the 10th chapter. We have a lot to talk about in a relatively short amount of time, so we need to go ahead and jump into this lesson. We need to go to John the 10th chapter, beginning with verse number 27. Here the Bible says, Jesus says, in John 10 and verse 27, My sheep, or if you are part of God's sheep, are are you a sheep of Jesus? Are you part of Jesus' flock? Then, if so, he's talking to you right here. And he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. What are we going to do What are we going to do with this teaching? What are we going to do with this teaching from Jesus? I ask you that because for a lot of people who claim to be followers of Jesus, they go to this teaching and suggest that a person cannot lose their salvation. They suggest that a person cannot Fall from grace they suggest that once a person is saved there is nothing they can do to be lost it doesn't matter what you do in your life it doesn't matter if you curse God curse Jesus burn up your Bible spit on your Bible cheat on your spouse steal someone's goods, commit fornication, even murder someone and refuse to repent. doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. Once you are saved, you cannot be lost. You cannot lose your soul. You cannot end up in hell. I don't care how hard you try. This doctrine is commonly referred to today as the doctrine of once saved, always saved. You ever heard of the doctrine of once saved, always saved before? You ever met someone who believed in the doctrine of once saved, always saved? I've had many Bible studies with people who told me that they believe in the doctrine of once saved, always saved. I have been in many discussions with religious members of my own family who have told me that they believe in the doctrine of once saved, always saved. I have friends in the Church of Christ who've also told me that they also have family members who believe in the doctrine of once saved, always saved. The doctrine of once saved, always saved or perseverance of the saints or eternal security is a widely believed doctrine in our world today. It is a doctrine that actually originated with a man named John Calvin. You ever heard of John Calvin before? If you haven't, don't feel too bad about that. For a lot of folks today, for a lot of religious people, they don't have a clue of who John Calvin is, but he is an important person to discuss when it comes to this particular doctrine. John Calvin was a theologian who lived from 1509 to 1564, during a time when Catholicism was everywhere. He and men like Martin Luther argued against what the Catholic Church was teaching. They were leaders of what we commonly refer to today as the Protestant Reformation. They protested Catholicism, and while they were certainly right to do that, while John Calvin was right to fight against a false teaching that was being promoted by Catholicism, unfortunately, he was wrong in many of the conclusions that he was using to combat that. You see, John Calvin's teaching from the 16th century It's why a lot of people today believe in things like original sin. Original sin being the idea that you're born a sinner. You inherit your your parents' sins. He's also why many people believe that God chooses who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost. And man's choices have nothing to do with that. He's also why many people believe that Jesus only died for the people that God has chosen ahead of time to be saved and that those people cannot resist the grace of God. He's also why many people believe in the doctrine of eternal spiritual security or perseverance of the saints or the doctrine of once saved, always saved. If you ever met someone, if you ever met someone who's believed in the doctrine of once saved, always saved, well, they've been influenced by John Calvin's teaching, whether they know that or not. And for those who may be wondering, why am I bringing all this up this morning? Let me remind you of something very important. For those of you who are members of this congregation, for those of you who are members of the Monte Vista Church of Christ, you know that at least once a month we like to do one of two things. We either like to present a special lesson designed to encourage and equip our young people here, or we like to answer questions. We like to answer questions from you Members of this congregation, there is actually a question box out there in the lobby where you can submit your questions. And one question that I recently received had to do with this topic right here. It had to do with the topic of once saved, always saved. Someone wanted to know, does the Bible teach that we, that I, that you can fall away? Is the doctrine of once saved, always saved correct, or does the Bible teach that we as believers can fall away? Now, I could, if I wanted to, just end this lesson right now by suggesting that, yes, the Bible does teach that believers, followers of Jesus, can fall away, but I know that answer is not going to satisfy you. I know that as a gospel preacher, one of my responsibilities is not just to combat false doctrine myself, but I also got to equip you. I also got to equip the saints on how to combat false doctrine that's being promoted in our society. And so how about we do that this morning, if you don't mind? How about we, we consider what the scripture says about this important topic? How about we answer the question of can a disciple, can a believer, can someone who has obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ fall away from Jesus Christ and let's just begin by going back to this text in John chapter 10. Let's go back to John chapter 10 and let's really kind of analyze and break down what's going on in that chapter. Now we don't have enough time this morning. We don't have enough time this morning to go through all of John chapter 10, okay? Long chapter, lots going on in that chapter. We don't have time to go through all that chapter. What I do want to say is in this chapter, John 10, in the context of it, Jesus is announcing something very important about his identity. He's announcing in this chapter that he is not just a shepherd, but he is the good shepherd. He is the ultimate shepherd. He is the chief shepherd of God's people. You see, as the chief shepherd or the ultimate shepherd of God's people, Jesus says that he that he leads the people of God. He leads the people of God. I mean, that's verse number 27 again. My my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they and they follow me. You see, that's leadership. You see that? The sheep, the flock of God follows Jesus. Jesus leads the people of God and Jesus also protects the people of God. At the end of verse number 28, he says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's protection. Jesus leads the people of God. Jesus protects the people of God. Jesus also gives eternal life to the people of God. At the beginning of verse number 28, he says, and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. That is, they will never spiritually perish. Jesus offers a similar thought in verse number 10 when he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life, spiritual life and have that life abundantly. You see, these things right here, these are promises that come from the chief shepherd. These are promises that come from the good shepherd, and they are promises made to a very specific group of people. They are promises made to God's universal flock of people. They are promises made to people who have made some very wise decisions in their lives. For example, these promises are for the people who choose, who choose Who choose to hear the voice of Jesus. In verse number three, Jesus says that his sheep hear his voice. Do you see that? My sheep hear my voice. The people who get these promises are the people who choose to hear the voice of Jesus. They also choose to follow the voice of Jesus. In verse number five of the same chapter, a stranger they simply will not follow but will flee for him from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. These people choose to hear the voice of Jesus. They choose to follow the voice of Jesus and they also choose to enter into a relationship with Jesus and remain in that relationship with him. In verse number 9, Jesus says, "I'm the door." A door is something you go through. And Jesus says that he's the spiritual door. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, you got to enter through that door. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus offers a similar thought in John 15 and verse four, when he says that we must abide in him. You see, going through the door of Jesus and abiding in a relationship with Jesus, that's all a choice. That's a choice that we have to make. Jesus says that if we want the things that he talks about in verses 27 and 28, if we want his leadership, if we want his protection, if we want the eternal life that he offers, then we're going to have to make a choice. We're going to have to choose him. We're going to have to choose to listen to him. And follow him and remain in a relationship with him. These verses, my friends, in John chapter 10 have nothing to do with eternal security. They have nothing to do with perseverance of the saints or once saved, always saved. Instead, these verses in this chapter are about the blessings of Jesus. They are about the faithfulness of Jesus. They are promises that Jesus makes to people who hear him, follow him and remain in a relationship with him. Jesus says that when we choose to hear him and follow him and abide in him, we're going to be the recipients of some great spiritual blessings. We're going to have everything we need to make it to heaven. We're going to have everything we need to experience spiritual life right now while we live on this earth and in the eternity to come. We're going to be completely full of the spiritual blessings of God. We're going to have that if we choose to do these things. But if we don't choose to do these things, if we don't choose to hear Jesus and follow Jesus, and remain in a relationship with him, guess what happens? We forfeit everything he talks about in verses 27 and 28. We forfeit the leadership. We forfeit the protection. We forfeit eternal life. There are countless passages in the New Testament that back up this particular point. And so we want to go in our Bibles to Matthew, the 13th chapter. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, and i got to go through a lot of scriptures right now very quickly. So if you have a hard time keeping up, get the outline on the website. Got to go through this real fast. Matthew, the 13th chapter, and in verse number 20. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, and we're going to be looking at this parable quite a bit today in our lessons. But here Jesus gives the famous parable of the sower. Remember the parable of the sower. And in verse number 20, as Jesus talks about the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word. So this is a man who hears the word and immediately he receives it with joy. This is a man who believes the gospel. This is a man who receives the gospel. And yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately, immediately he falls away. What is Jesus talking about there in those verses? Well, there in those verses, Jesus is telling us that people like us, believers, disciples, people who gladly receive the word of God, people who even gather on a Sunday and our nice church clothes to worship God, people like us, can fall away. It is possible for people like us to fall away, to leave the Lord, to leave the truth that we at one time joyously received. That's what Jesus says there. And that alone blows away the doctrine of once saved, always saved. But if that's not enough, we can look at what Paul says in First Corinthians chapter nine. In First Corinthians, the ninth chapter, as Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says Beginning with verse number 24, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, wreath, but we an imperishable Therefore, I run in such a way it's not without aim. I box in such a way it's not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself, Paul says, I myself would not be disqualified. Notice what Paul says about himself. Notice how Paul says that when he came to himself as an apostle, when it came to himself as someone who had seen the risen Savior on the Damascus road, when it came to someone like himself who had the ability to perform miracles and impart miraculous spiritual gifts, when it came to himself as someone who received direct revelation from the Holy Spirit, when it came to himself as someone that God had used at this time to spread the borders of his kingdom, Paul said that even he had to be careful. Paul says that even losing his salvation was possible. He says that he could help other people go to heaven, but at the same time, if he didn't discipline himself, he could lose his own soul. Paul says that even he could have been spiritually disqualified. That's what Paul says there, and you put that what he taught the Galatians. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, as Paul is telling these Christians not to seek to be justified by the Old Testament law of Moses. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 4, Paul says to these Christians, you have been severed. You know what it means to be severed, right? That's cut off. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law. That's the Old Testament law of Moses. He says if you're seeking to do that, you have fallen from grace. One of the key Components of the doctrine of once saved, always saved is the part that suggests that a person cannot fall from grace. A person cannot fall from grace. Paul doesn't say that here. Paul actually says the opposite. Paul doesn't tell these Christians that they were never in God's grace or that while in it, it was impossible for them to fall from it. Instead, Paul wants them to know that that you can fall away. You can fall away from the grace of God. You can be severed from God's amazing grace. Every part of that verse stands in direct opposition to the doctrine of once saved, always saved. And then we go to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. We go to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and we look at verse number 19 where Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1:19, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, And suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. Notice what Paul talks about. Notice how Paul talks about here two Christians. Hymenaeus and Alexander. What had happened to them? Well, Paul says that they had fallen. They had fallen away. They had been handed over to Satan. Paul says they had suffered shipwreck in regards to their faith. Again, that stands in direct opposition to the idea that once you're saved, you're always saved. And then in the book of Hebrews, chapter two, in Hebrews, the second chapter and in verse number one, as the Hebrew writer tries to urge these Hebrew Christians at this time to not leave Jesus to go back to Judaism. He says in Hebrews two and verse one, for this reason, we must We must pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we don't drift away from it. Notice how these Christians could drift away from what they had heard. They could drift away from the truth. You go down to chapter three and in chapter three, verse 12, he says, take care, brethren. These are not people of the world. These are not unbelievers. These are not people who had not received the amazing grace and love of God. He says, Take care, brethren, that there not be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we become partakers of Christ if we hold fast. If we hold fast. The beginning of our assurance firm until the end. The Hebrew writer says, that in addition to being able to drift away from the truth, these Christians could develop unbelieving hearts that fell away from the truth. We then go to Romans now. Romans chapter 11. We're just stacking Bible up here. We're just letting the Holy Spirit talk this morning. And in Romans, the 11th chapter and in verse number 17 in Romans chapter 11, in verse number 17, Paul says, but if some of the branches were broken off now, the branches here represent the Jewish people. These were God's people under the old covenant. And for the most part, they rejected Jesus and God cut them out. They got cut off. So if some of the branches were broken off and you now the you there is a reference to you, Gentiles, me, people who are not Jewish. We're all in the same boat. We're Gentiles, according to the Bible. And the Bible says that you Gentiles being a wild olive. See, we're the wild olive. We're grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant towards the branches. You Gentiles who are now part of God's family. Don't be arrogant against the Jews because they've been cut off. But if you're arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. They were God's people first. You will say then branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, if God didn't spare his people under the old covenant, he's not going to spare you either. Behold then the kindness and severity of God to those who fail. Severity, but to you God's kindness if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will be cut off. Notice how in addition to God cutting off the Jews who rejected Jesus, Paul says that people like us, Gentiles who have obeyed the gospel and have been grafted into the family of God, we can be cut off too. We can be cut off by God. How can we be cut off by God? Well, verse 20 says that we can be cut off. When we stop believing, when we don't stand in the faith, when we stop fearing God, verse 22 says that we can be cut off when we don't continue in the kindness of God. The kindness of God there is a reference to the grace of God. It is a reference to the amazing grace of God. You see, part of Calvinistic doctrine suggests That a person cannot resist God's amazing grace. But here Paul says you can. Paul says that when we resist God's grace, we will be cut off from God. And you put that with 2 Peter chapter 2 and 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. Peter, he is writing to Christians and he says in 2 Peter 2 and verse 20, for if after they have escaped, The defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. (coughs) Notice this ugly, just gross, horrific picture that Peter paints here in the word of God. Notice how Peter says that it is possible for a person to escape the defilements of the world and become a follower of Jesus Christ, but get entangled in the things of the world again. Peter says it is possible for believers to to be overcome by the world all over again. When that happens, Peter says that those folks are in a worse condition then than they were before they even obeyed the gospel. Why are they in a worse condition then before they obeyed the gospel? Well, the reason why they're in a worse condition then is because they know better. They know better. Peter says they know better the holy commandment of God. They know the truth about God's grace and God's love and all God has done to save them from their sins through Jesus Christ, and they flat out reject it. They turn away from it. Peter says that a person who turns away from the holy commandment, they're like a dog who eats his own vomit. They're like a pig who returns right back to the mud after he's cleaned up. Again, what a gross and just disgusting picture. And then one more passage. Revelation 3. Revelation 3, verse 5. Revelation 3, verse 5. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase or blot his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Now, who is Jesus? Jesus the one talking there. Who is Jesus talking to in that context? Well, he's talking to a... He's talking to a church. He's talking to a group of believers. He's talking to a group of people like us. People who have experienced the grace and kindness and love of God. People who have their names recorded in the book of life. Jesus tells these people that, yes, your name is in the book of life. But if you don't overcome, if you don't persevere, if you don't press on, if you are not faithful to me and abide in me, I will blot you out of my book. I will erase your name out of the book of life. That goes completely against the idea of being once saved, always saved. What I just want you to see is this doctrine that has been promoted for several centuries is a false doctrine. It is not what the Bible teaches in any way, shape, or form. Or according to the Bible, we can fall away. We can be spiritually disqualified. We can fall from grace. We can suffer spiritual shipwreck. We can drift away. We can develop hearts that fall away from the living God. We can be cut off from God. We can get entangled in sin again. We can be blotted out of the book of life. All that language indicates that it is possible for Christians to be lost. It is possible for followers of Jesus to turn away from Jesus and lose their souls. You know why that is possible? That is possible ultimately because God made us in a very special way. God made us in his image. Part of being made in the image of God means that God made us with the ability to make choices. We can make choices. I got to tell you that this is one of the great errors Of the doctrine of once saved, always saved. This doctrine of perseverance of the saints or eternal spiritual security or once saved, always saved, takes away man's ability to make choices. It is a doctrine that suggests that your choices do not matter. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter how you think. It doesn't matter what you put in your body. You can do whatever you want to do on this earth. And if God says you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved. And if God says you're going to be lost, you're going to be lost. You have no, no decision making when it comes to this. It's all God. It's none of you. No choices at all. Now, Joshua was here this morning. He would have something to say about that, wouldn't he? Remember what Joshua said in Joshua 24 and verse 15? Joshua told the children of Israel, Choose now this day who you're going to serve, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua said, he said to the people of Israel, you have the ability to make choices. You can choose what you're going to do. Now, I want you to go to one more place here. I want you to go to Acts chapter 8. Do you remember how in Acts chapter 8 we read about Philip, a preacher named Philip, and he goes down to Samaria preaching the word of God to the Samaritans? And there was a man down there who was a worker of Satan. He was a worker of Satan for a time. His name was Simon. He was deceiving people with sorcery. And in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 12, after Peter, or Philip, I'm sorry, went there preaching the word of God, it says in verse 12, but when they, the Samaritans, believed Philip, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they are being baptized men and women alike. Verse 13, even Simon himself believed, And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip, and as he observed signs of great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. Now, here's my question. At that point in the narrative, is Simon, this man Simon, is he in a saved condition? Is he in a saved condition? Is he a believer in Jesus Christ? Now, those who advocate this doctrine we're talking about this morning will say, well, no, Simon wasn't really converted. He he was just pretending. He was faking. He wasn't a true believer in God. Now, the people who say that are going to have a problem with Jesus. Because Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, Jesus says that if you do that stuff, you're going to be saved. And the scripture says that Simon and the Samaritans did that. So either we're going to go with Jesus or we're going to go with this this doctrine once they've always saved. The scripture says Simon is a believer. Jesus said that this man is a true believer at this point. And so let's keep going with the text. There's no question about this man's salvation. Luke never says he's deceiving and fooling people. No, he did the same thing everybody else did. But in verse 18, it says Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed, To the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right with God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see that you're in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. And so notice how not long after being converted, not long after doing what Jesus said in Mark 16, and verse 16, Simon allowed the devil to creep into his life. He allowed the devil to creep into his heart. He became bitter because he didn't have the ability to impart miraculous spiritual gifts like the apostles. He wanted to purchase that ability with money. And Peter said, no, 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 no. Simon, you're wrong. Simon, you are in sin. Simon, your heart's not right with God. And at this very moment, you're in danger of losing your soul. If you want to avoid that terrible fate, you need to do two things. You need to repent and you need to pray. You need to repent and you need to ask God to forgive you through prayer. Notice how Peter didn't say, well, wait a minute, Simon, you, you've been saved once, so you're always saved now. You're good. You're you're a Christian. You're not going to lose your salvation. You have eternal spiritual security. Notice how Peter didn't say that. Instead, Peter said, you've done wrong. You've done wrong. And you need to get back right with God. You need to choose to get back right with God. Just like you made a choice to sin against God. Do you see that? Now, I know there's a lot more we could say about this subject. I get it. But I hope that this lesson will at least provide you with some tools that you can use if you encounter people who believe in the doctrine of once saved, always saved. I hope you can see that as Christians, our choices matter. How we live matters. Our commitment to God matters. We can miss out on the prize of heaven if we don't strive every day. To be faithful to God. In fact, maybe there's someone here this morning who's a Christian. and You say, well, I haven't been faithful to God right now. I'm technically a Christian, but I'm on a path to eternal destruction. Well, the good news for you is you can do what Simon did in Acts chapter eight. You can repent and you can beg God to forgive you. And guess what? God will forgive you. Or if there's someone here who's never obeyed the gospel at all, you're not a Christian. The good news for you is you can become a Christian. The grace of God has been extended even to you. It's extended to every person. Believe in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. And strive to be faithful to him every single day. If we can help you with that, come to the front right now. As we stand and we sing. Bring Christ
1: your broken life, so marred by sin. i take a short break and be dismissed to our classes.